Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're talking the burnt orange heresy, as well as all the latest film news and trailer releases. Let's do it. Okay, so we went and saw the burnt orange heresy this week, which is a thriller set in the prestigious art world, mm. starring Class Bang, Elizabeth Debicki, Mick Jagger and Donald Sutherland. I think Class Bang is one of the greatest actor names of all time I think I've ever heard, so I'm hooked straight away. (laughs) It's directed by Giuseppe Capotondi, his first full-length feature, it's worth noting, and it's based on a book by Charles Williford. The book was originally set in 1970s Miami, but what's interesting about this movie is that they've moved it to Italy for a really grand international feel. Yeah, it was set on Lake Como, which is a place I would love to go, and it Mm. just commands so much opulence I think and the beautiful manner uh, that most of this film takes place in and this dark coldness about it it was it was a big character that carried a lot of the mystery intrigue and events that take place throughout the film yeah and Lake Como was actually set between two mountains so that shady kind of setting really added to the feel of the movie the tone there's a particular place on Lake Como where some scenes take place Mm. that really plays into that cold sort of shadowy sort of theme mm. that this film carries with it and also the choices that the that the filmmakers have made to set certain moments there so we'll tell you a little bit about the story it's about art critic james who's hired to steal a rare painting from one of the most reclusive painters of all time played by 
Donald Sutherland and this ambitious art dealer wants the only painting in existence. Is that correct? Yeah. And the art dealer is played by Mick Jagger. Yes. Which is interesting in itself. Before we get into Mick Jagger, I think it's important to understand who this reclusive artist is. Mm. He was very well known. Decades have passed, about 50 years. No Mm. one's really seen him. No art critic has interviewed him or anything Mm. like that. And he, his studio, I think it was in Paris, had come down in flames. So all his work had gone. And so this art dealer played by Mick Jagger wants what he thinks will be some of the only existing art of this reclusive artist. Mm. And then herein lies the the, the heist, if you will, or, or the series of events that mm. plays out. And so this art critic becomes consumed by his own greed and insecurity as the movie plays out and as the operation escalates and then his paranoia sort of spins out of control. Definitely. You kind of learn a lot about him as an art critic, his own deceit, Mm. his own way of manipulating people through how he communicates through art. There's actually a really neat opening scene where he does just that. I want to talk about that actually, because I found that really interesting. The whole power of the critic, which they talk about in the opening of the film and they demonstrate how, what you know about a work can really shape your feelings. And I found it so interesting. The parallels, even with what we do as film critics and, and what a responsibility critics have. Definitely. But how he takes that responsibility, but weaponizes it Mm. and, and it kind of, he plays into the deceit game a bit more. Whereas I hope that us as critics, (laughs) we, we, we're trying to be authentic and open the curtain into, uh, unveiling a great film or a bad film. We come from a place of love. Yes, absolutely. Now you want to talk about the tone of the film and how it shifts. So to caveat here, we're going to have to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves because this film is to be enjoyed, I think, going in not knowing too much about the plot and whatever. So there are things that happen that we're going to avoid saying. So Mm -hmm. we'll do our best to kind of wrap it up. We'll stay spoiler free. Stay spoiler free. So I guess the tone of the film, it leans into the dialogue and the script as well as the theme. So if we can unpack the dialogue, I felt particularly really alienated to the elitist way that a mm. lot of the characters were talking to each other, especially the two mains. There's a lot of complicated, flowery yeah. language mm. used. It's almost like watching a Shakespearean play or like the book itself literally coming off the page. Yeah. So I guess you're not really meant to, well, I certainly didn't really understand what they were talking about, but I understood the feeling that it gave me. So Mm. I I could follow along, but I did feel a little bit alienated by the choice of of conversation they were having because it was quite philosophical and they barely knew each other either. So This, the, the two main characters kind of had this fling and I didn't actually believe sometimes the way they were talking to each other quite endearing terms. Right. It, yes. It was very um, forced. Yeah. It was almost like a four-way dance of deception that these four characters are doing. I mean, there That's are a nice. couple of other people in this film, but it's ultimately just these four main characters. Yeah. Which I think is important because it, it holds focus for you. There's not too many other bit players mm. in the film. You, you want to talk a bit more about the relationship between Elizabeth Debicki's character and Class Bang's character? Yeah, we just touched on it before. I I didn't really feel like it was particularly authentic or believable because they were just this fling. They had kind of this one night stand and then he invites her into this art collector's chateau mm. in, uh, by Lake Como, played by Mick Jagger, which we will talk to you about in a moment. Yeah. So I think that's important. And she just seemed far too comfortable 
far too nonchalant about mm. her circumstance and you you get flavors of who she was, why she is where she is. And I felt like that wasn't particularly fleshed out enough. How did you feel about her and the mystery of her in general? Yeah, there were some strange motivational choices between the characters and not a lot of character background, which I think was to the film's detriment. But I have to say, this might be controversial. I I loved Elizabeth Debicki. She was so elegant. Her performance was just beautiful, I thought. I agree. But Class Bang was just thoroughly uncharismatic. Which yeah. I think he was supposed to be, but I really just did not believe that the woman was falling all over him and that he was a charismatic art critic and was hosting all these classes for Americans to learn about art. I didn't enjoy his performance. No, really, okay. I thought it was all right. I guess how the film played out, he, he didn't offer as much as I think he could have because there were decisions that were being made that were utterly shocking that sent off this domino effect, right? Mm. And... I didn't know whether I was like on the edge of my seat anticipated or thinking, why is he doing this? Like, it just seemed we didn't Mm. understand him enough to understand his motivations to make such decisions. And I think that plays a big part in, now we're going to talk about Mick Jagger, Mm. in that first encounter that he has with him, that I just didn't really get a sense of what was at stake. There was something missing in their communication with each other when he was asking him to acquire a painting. But what do you think that comes down to? Because I actually thoroughly enjoyed Mick Jagger in this. And I think this is the first time in about 20 years that he's done a non-cameo role. Mm. And like, okay, look, he's not an Oscar winning actor. Mm. I'll admit that. But he was fantastic. He had this underhanded, cheeky, menacing way about him, which I think really worked. Yeah. Maybe I couldn't get past the fact that it was Mick Jagger. And I think that, and I can take responsibility for that as a viewer, but also it's really, that sometimes isn't our fault as a viewer when you have such a well-known person up there Mm. who isn't an actor, like, well, hasn't been Mm. for 20 years, let's be fair, no disrespect. Yeah, I I think he was a good mm, villain. I don't know, Mm. I guess you could call him that. Yeah, totally. But there was something about the delivery that just felt like, he hadn't quite thought through how his character was meant to come off. There was just something off about it. I can't quite put my f- mm. finger on it. I did enjoy him, but I felt like it was, yeah, just a little bit. It could have been more. It could have been a bit more gravel to him or just something. Could it be that he was leaning too heavily on the I know a secret about you style? I, I think that's it. Kind of. I know something you don't know. Yeah, and I'm not going to tell. Like, I just got <laughs> that sort of vibe. I think you've nailed it, actually. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, look, it's not fair to really compare these kind of performances because all of the performances were pretty solid, I would say. And when you're going up against someone like Donald Sutherland with Mm. the experience that Donald Sutherland has, and he was delightful in this as well. Oh, that scene by the pool when we first are introduced to him is just this, just the way he used the script and his character, you, you understood him immediately yeah you can tell that he's had so much experience both on the screen and on the stage yeah yeah he was wonderful to watch so you can tell he knows how to unpack a script as an actor yeah and really get into the nitty-gritty of it and make the meaning come off the page yeah yeah i agree i guess in terms of just rattling off with without going into too much detail i think that the tension and anticipation that develops throughout the film is quite good i Mm. i was quite like leaning in to find out what was going to happen. Uh, and because you, it's kind of one of those movies where 
it's got a clear second act. I don't know if you agree where mm. you, it's a, like a 90 minute movie or hundred minute movie or something. And you've got the first half, which is, you know, setting up mm. one, not sure where it's going to go. And then it goes there and it keeps going, there, keeps going there. And then it kind mm. of wraps up in, in, in the way that it does. There was and, an entire sequence in the second act that I really think could have been dropped though. Well, maybe we'll talk it's, offline. Yeah, we'll talk offline, but it's uh, could be a few. It's like it was a shocking thing happened, and then mm. she came back for more. Oh, okay, yep. Oh, yes. I actually didn't mind that though. It Go seemed on. like a bizarre motivation to me. Mm. It, it did feel like a classic film trope. There are a lot of themes going on in this film. Like a lot of redemption, themes: redemption, desperation, deceit, power, influence. But there was also a lot of symbolism, which I found really interesting because it's just like an artwork in itself. It features, the symbolism features so heavily and you've yes. got to look really closely. So there was the search for the perfect blue that Debney was searching for, which mm-hmm. you also mirrored in the characters searching for themselves and searching for some kind of elusive peace within their lives. Mm. And then you had the fly. Yeah. Which is so heavily symbolized, denoting a sinner. Yeah, and was quite unsettling how it kept weaving its way into the script mm. and, and the things that were happening throughout. I actually quite liked that, mm. which was good, which is a strength of the film, I think, and how it lent into symbolism because it was a film about art. And Mm -hmm. so obviously, naturally, that's something that should be explored. And that kind of was an underlying element of of the film that played into character motivations, societal expectations... Uh, interpretation of stories and people and the art like it was yeah donald sutherland's character debney had a really great line which i really loved which was explaining why he named one of his paintings the burnt orange heresy Mm. and it was simply because it would make the critics search for meaning where there was none yeah (laughs) and maybe that's what we're doing here (laughs) yeah maybe i mean we're really unpacking this so i'm really enjoying it uh, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think as listeners. If you catch this film in cinemas, it's out now. Yeah, I liked that because it kind of, that moment played back to how the film opened as well. Mm-hmm. And kind of when you're leaning in to find a meaning and how you interpret it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Lee, is there anything else you want to uh, address in the film or are you ready to rate it? Let's rate it. Okay. What would you give it? Why do you always go to me first? Uh, it's not that I want to copy your work. Look, I enjoyed this film. I think that it it lacked a bit of something that bothered me with Mick Jagger as, as I've unpacked, but I did enjoy it more than I thought. And also unpacking it now, I think it's kind of made me appreciate what it was trying to achieve, whether or not it made it or not. Mm. So I'm going to give it three popcorn kernels. I'm going to agree with you, actually. There's mm. a lot of agreeing going on with us lately. <laughs> What's, What's happening? Season four, we're agreeing too much. I mean, this movie's all about how much power lies in perception. And yeah. although there were some motivational failures, I think there were some really strong performances which really elevated it. Let's move on to news, shall we? Yes, Lee. What's news with Tenet this week? Well, it's been removed from the Warner Brothers schedule altogether, mm. sadly. A uh, new date has yet to be confirmed, but it's believed it's still going to release in cinemas sometime in the near future. Here's hoping. We're still aiming for 2020. Yes. Now, what's interesting is there is a lot of talk lately about rolling releases. Mm. So normally a film gets day and day release all over the world. Yep. Especially a big blockbuster like Tenet. To avoid spoilers, to avoid piracy, yes. all those things. and for marketing reasons. But now they're in a position where they don't want to push things to video on demand. Mm. They can't open anywhere in the world. It's going to be a long time before some cinemas are open in America and elsewhere, especially in Melbourne and things. So I think studios are finally coming to the understanding and 
this wouldn't have even been considered six weeks ago. No. That they need to roll out in different markets at different times. Yeah. And I guess that's a decision needs to be made. You know, not Netflix and Apple TV Plus can't pick up every release that's mm. not going to go out in cinemas. I think that filmmakers and distributors and production companies need to, they need to give us the films that we want, but understand that they can't do it at the same time. And they need to lean into the markets around the world mm. that are ready to consume their stories. And the upside of this is that it's exciting for Australia because we're one of countries that have cinemas open around the country. Yeah. So it's exciting that we might get movies first, but the downside is how are they going to control piracy? Yeah. This is the biggest problem. And yeah. I think this situation, the upside, if there's any silver lining of the coronavirus situation, is that it's forcing distributors and production companies to really work on that solution, whereas they haven't had to before. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a problem that's been around for decades and decades. And even more of a problem now that technology allows it in such a more streamlined, easy mm. way in terms of actually doing it and distributing it as well. So, yeah, we'll stay close to those decisions and how they tackle that. James Cameron, he's written an open letter, guys. And due to the delays to production as a result of COVID-19, the first Avatar sequel will be delayed and miss its December 2021 release date hold hold back (laughs) i don't i can't i can't i don't think they need to make a big deal of this because a people are so sick of hearing about these avatar sequels Mm. and b it's so far off it's so far off it is now being pushed back to december 2022 which naturally creates a domino effect for the other 1500 avatar sequels that are currently (laughs) planned do you think that the open letter was a bit much or i mean it's very james cameron yeah, I think it's presuming that people care more than they do right now. I mean, look, I, there's nothing wrong with transparency and keeping up appearances and communication. Yeah, care factor zero for a lot of people with Avatar. The film came out in 2009 and they're saying it's not out to, to 2022. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I just touch base in like 18 months. So Comic-Con is currently happening right now in a different format, obviously. Although it's all remote and a lot of big exhibitors like Marvel aren't in attendance, There's still some exciting first looks coming out of the event. We've got the first few minutes and a sizzle reel of The New Mutants, which Mm. has actually got me a bit excited for this film now. I was completely nonchalant and hesitant that this movie was going to be anything but a bit of a failure. Yeah. And having looked at these first few minutes, the special effects are incredible. Yeah, they are. I'm really surprised. I had the perception that it was a much more toned down sort of superhero story Mm. based on all the other marketing collateral that we have seen over the last few years. And finally, they're letting it all out of the gate and like this incredible action. So anyway, that's still scheduled for the next couple of months, I think, should be coming out. But yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? We'll exactly. See. But no, we appreciate them drip feeding us more information about it because, mm. uh, yeah, it's got us clearly very excited. Lee, give us an update on Bill and Ted Face the Music. What's going on there? So we got a new trailer from Comic-Con, which was very exciting. And there was an announcement that in America it will release on video on demand and in select movie theatres on September 1. So that's a perfect mm-hmm. example of how distributors are changing their model. Yeah. However, in Australia, we're getting it slightly earlier on August 27 and it's still being released nationally in cinemas, which is super exciting. Super exciting. Now, I've got something to announce. I have now seen the first Bill and Ted film. <laughs> I'm yet to see the sequel, but I will get to it very soon. And I just had a 
bloody great time. It is so yeah. stupid and fun <laughs> and crazy and quirky. And now seeing this new, much more unpacked, story-driven trailer. Would you say it's an excellent adventure? I would, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm really keen for that. Disney have announced a whole slate of new release dates. So Mulan is unfortunately currently undated now. But he is hoping that we will still get it in certain markets. Yeah, absolutely. And Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch is also undated. That's disappointing. That's disappointing. I love a Wes Anderson film. I think he's one of the greatest filmmakers and has been for about 20 years. Death on the Nile has moved to a October release this year, so a little bit delayed there. That's Kenneth Branagh's mm-hmm. the next instalment in that uh, mm-hmm. Poirot franchise, if I said that mm-hmm. right. I would think that they would still want to release that in the UK and here, regardless of whether it opens in America. Yeah, I think so. Very strong market in the UK for, for that franchise. Mm. And the first film of a new Star Wars trilogy has moved to December of 2023. Now, now is that Taika Waititi's? Star Wars film, or is that the other one? To be honest, I actually don't know. Because they changed... No, honestly, like... And that's a problem. Because they they announce trilogies or new Star Wars films, and then two months later, they pull out of the race, and they're going in a new direction. And then Bob Iger's like, we're just putting Star Wars to bed for now, and then we'll come back. He doesn't tell like that. I don't know why why I'm putting on that voice. But yeah, I don't know. It could be... Like, there was Ryan Johnson making something, Taika Waititi. So I think we'll just hit pause... And, you know, we've got a bit of time. It's still exciting nonetheless. I just hope they go into a whole new direction. They move on from Skywalker and we get some new content in the Star Wars universe. That's it for Popcorn Podcast for this week. We just want to do a little shout out to our listeners in Brazil. Yeah. Who have been showing us some love lately. Hello. Hi, Brazil. And also great numbers coming out of the United States. So we really appreciate you guys tuning in each week. We love the support. Thank you so much. And we're sending our love to those who can't get out to the cinema yet, but we hope you enjoy listening and get excited about what you can see when when it gets released. All right, Lee, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Come and join us in the conversation on Facebook. Like our page at Popcorn Podcast AU. And follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. We'd love to hear what you think about these movies. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.